Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows. And I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreons will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. Notes from a psych ward, day four. My 7am alarm goes off for breakfast. Since it's just me and no nurses have haunted me, I hit snooze and decide to miss breakfast. At eight o'clock, I get up and stroll down for meds, head back to my room and decide today is going to be a gym day. I get dressed, I drag my little feet and head downstairs. Excited gym boy is there and trying to get all engaged and shit. I jump on the bike and settle in with headphones. Just let me get through half an hour. There were a few others in there, all doing their own thing. I kept pushing the time back on myself like a little trick to make myself keep going. I do half an hour and excited gym guy tries to engage. Want to do weights? Mix things up? Try more things? I just nod and say, see you later. He says, see you tomorrow. 
honestly, he needs to match levels of excitement. I wander back upstairs, change, feeling okay in myself, so I get ready to head out for a while, back in time for group. I also try to figure out if anything in my drink bottle is making the metal taste in my mouth and I start pulling it apart and then I can't get the fucking cunt of a thing back together. Ah. Anyway, off I go. I get stopped at the door. Are you a patient? Yes. You know you can't leave yet. Obviously not, or I wouldn't be standing here, I say instead. My doc says I can come and go provided I do my program, which is in the afternoon block of leave time, hence me wanting to leave now. She calls the nurses. She sends me back there. The nurses say not in the morning and then I can go after group. Considering dinner is at 4.30, it'll be a very short hour of freedom. Fuck. I head back to my room, which seems counterintuitive. Flick on the telly and start my research into TMS. Okay, TMS is fucking terrifying, so I'll mention that to the doctor tomorrow and see if that's an option for me or not. Fuck me, I hope it's not. I look into the rest of the rules of this place and I found out that breakfast closes at 7.45. So I had gotten up 10 minutes earlier, I could have got something. Oh, well, leave is also to 7 p.m. I might go out for dinner or order something in today at a reasonable hour. Oh, my God, I'm craving something fresh. I receive a message from my wife. She has brought the most incredible gifts, a killer bee skull from Jack of the Dust. I'm almost in tears with excitement. I could rival Jim Guy. It gives me a sense of what's outside these walls. A future, an idea of not being here in this place forever. A thought of progression beyond here. It's been so long since I've thought this way. It's kind of intimidating. I leave my room for morning tea. Cheese and crackers, but like, the four-year-old version, not the Sunday sessions boards that I'm used to, but as food. It's okay. I see other people. I head back to my room, all enlightened. I receive a message from Karen. She's off to the shops to buy more shit. Of course she is. We exchange how she can leave and I can't. She said that it's the frequent flyer tickets. You get to come three times and after that you can do whatever you want. To be honest, I don't want to be in that club. Between you and me, I've been thinking that since I came in. It's the thought that would keep me awake at night if I wasn't so doped up. People in here are wearing their returns like a badge, and I'm not sure why. I want my meds adjusted, some solid sleeping patterns, and a healthier look on life. I don't want this place to be a recurring pillar of my life. I get reminded of the amount of dedication poured into my clients once upon a time by me. And I feel like I did too. And I think that's what makes me angry. 14 years. Half my life dedicated to young people and their families. What are students wanting to work in the field? Pouring years and shortening my fucking lifespan into a never-changing vortex. Churning kids up and spitting broken families out. Tattooing sometimes seems like a far-fetched idea. I mean, I have the room and I have the gear. But how do I lift myself to go further? I'm drawing and refining my skills every day. But making the jump to a business is terrifying. I have no safety net. All the shit places I've worked and worked for created a safety net, even if it was fucking work cover. 
What happens if I can't provide for my family? What happens if I never get better? What happens if I don't do it and go back to the devil I know? I end up spinning in my own head of fear and anger and then I step back. I have time. I have time. I have time. I have time. I have support near and dear. Maybe I've lost some over the last 12 months, but what I have is gold. Last 12 months haven't been easy on them, but they are here. I don't need the world's worth of support just to make the jump to the future. I just need a stable and supportive few. I think about how much of a pillar I was for my son, a focused and supportive parent to him when I wasn't sure what parenting was. I remember how I slithered into the gaps at work and filled jobs that no one knew existed. I just saw them. I was a pillar at work. I remember how I steadfast I was when my relationship was new. I was the strong one, the seeker of you and future. I held the hand of my now wife, leading her into a safe environment out of danger. I used to be reliable. I used to be dependable. I used to live free and with energy. I want that back. I need that back. My people need me back. I deleted LinkedIn. Why the fuck do I need that? That's the old me. It's not serving my needs and wants. It's bringing me down from the person I used to be. Gone is seek. Gone is LinkedIn jobs. I don't need that. After that, I have to fix my fucking drink bottle. While I daydream of the shelf I'm going to build for our skull collection. A YouTube clip for 35 seconds cleared that up. Honestly, I can tell my anger is skin deep because I shouldn't have raged over that, but I did. Anyway, off to the water cooler to fill it back up. Now I fixed it. I wrestle with myself over going to group. I leave my room as late as possible. I walk in late, trip over a chair, and nearly fly headfirst into Karen. The session was on boundaries. As someone who has pretty bloody firm boundaries, being burnt can set harder boundaries. The session really wasn't giving me anything. We started off with a mood check where you go around the circle. There are 15 in here today. Scale of 1 to 10 of how we feel. Name the feeling and where that feeling is sitting in your body. Well, I'm not sure why half of them there are on like eight, nine, seven, eight. Keeps going. At the top end of the scale, where I just feel worse in myself. I am having a downish afternoon. I left group. There is a guy there that grinds my gears. It's also on boundaries today and tomorrow, which I'm wicked on. I'm okay, just distance from the process, I guess, today. Meds-wise, everything's still on, just not group. I guess this morning's knockback took the wind out of my sails a bit. I sat through the first hour. It just seemed so fucking irrelevant to me healing. What is a boundary? How do you set a boundary? At the break, I talked to mood lady. I excused myself, received the worksheets and went back to my room. I went and got afternoon tea. A cup of tea and headed back to my room. I interact with others along the way, but I'm just insular today. But it's the first day with no morning meds. I start to study, cover the materials from today on my own. I start through the work, put on some background noise. 
Unable to focus, I grabbed my razor and enjoyed a shower and shaved my legs and my armpits. That was needed. Just starting to feel something normal, feel, I don't know, a bit better in myself. I start discussing talking to our son with my wife, talking about me being here and whether the Savo was good timing for what's going on in their home together. We FaceTimed. We discussed. We talked through me being here and I just feel less shame about being here. Less like I'm hiding from him. We asked questions, talked through it, and he decided he would like to come up and see me. That felt nice. I want to try and glue myself back together and back into my family. Back together. I let them go. And I feel like I can breathe again. I do some more study, some doodling, eat an apple and turn my attention to dinner. 4.30. Karen and I go down to the dining room together. She bitches that she wasn't allowed out. I said I wasn't either. It just knocks any ounce of confidence that I had prior. It's the only link that I can see from my day. But is it that big of a deal? Is it embarrassing that I got something wrong? Is it that I felt it was my only opportunity? I don't know. Packet mashed potatoes and schnitzel. It was edible. And then it was done. Karen goes on her way and I go on mine. We discussed about going to dinner, like out, out to dinner tomorrow night, if we both feel it. I scoot back to my room. My brother has been calling me. I start to process through my mind. What? would each scenario look like if I told my family? Would that inflame the shame? Would they then hide it? My afternoon was about lifting this feeling and I'm just not sure whether I can go there or if I want to go there. What would I gain? What would I lose? Why is this on my mind? I talk to my brother. He's his usual indecisive self. I might buy a $180,000 car in an apartment, blah, blah, blah. I just can't absorb it. And actually, I don't want to. I noticed that I haven't received my bananas like I had every other day. I've had an apple, but there was something about the banana. Like, I don't want the banana, but I want my banana, if you get me. I'm back in my room. I'm watching the telly. I'm drawing. And I'm just trying to shake off my day. Tomorrow will be better. This is just a slump, right? Dr. Seuss says, when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. I'm looking onwards, shaved legs and pits, no longer hungry or anxious about leaving the clinic. Today is behind me and I only have a cruisy eve to go. Meds at eight and off I go. In this gift-giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company, but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or chockies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products. Or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. 
It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you want to give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health, go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E dot com dot A-U. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. Day five. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I started the day flying down to the dining room in PJs and all to get some cereal packs to run back to bed. Everyone in the dining room, staff looked and went to say something, but clearly my morning face hasn't changed in a week here. I get the point. Some people are gross, but also some people just don't want to wake up for no reason at stupid o'clock. I'm back in my room. I flicked on the light and opened the curtain, trying to avoid climbing back into bed and sleeping the day away. I peruse my phone, as you do. It's been quite an eventful evening while I was asleep, but before we get there, after last night's update went out, I had a spiralling vortex of shit rained down by my family. Remember, I haven't told them where I am or what I'm doing. My failing grandmother is coming Sunday. Previously, I was the only one at home during the day, so as mum does request me to have her during the week. I'm away, remember? No, where are you? What are you doing? Are you going to be away for your wife's surgery next week? Why would you do that? Is everything okay? Can't you just come down and then go back? The interrogation continued. Unraveling, I scrambled to fend her off like a tennis player with the highest ball machine, flinging them at my head at an unbearable pace. Just let me call my wife, I say. Let me see what I can do. I call her. I melt down. And we come to a conclusion. It is not the right time and we are more than happy to have her at a later date. You know, when, when I can handle her and be at home and not just have a wife who's just out of surgery and certainly not this fucking Sunday. I call mum back and pitch the idea. Well, what if your wife stayed in recovered here? She can do that. Mum, honestly, she wants to recover in private, in her own bedroom and in, with her own bathroom and, you know, her house. All right, I guess so. There's no urgency in her voice now. Like she dumped an avalanche of anxiety and stress and was fine while I was sitting under this shit heap trying to breathe. I call my wife back and explain. The whole saga is done, but not before an upset was avoided. I was calm, drawing, watching telly and winding down for bed. I restarted that whole process and had to spend an extra hour and a half to get back to calm and relaxed. Okay, yeah, so back to today. Where was I? Oh, back to the stupid fucking phone. Here's the backstory to that. Feel free to skip if you're bored of my recaps. Over a year ago, I dropped my best mate. There isn't a nicer way to explain it. I got angry over an ant-sized issue and I lost my blocker. I froze her out. I ignored all attempts to reconnect and then my life tumbled and she was a loose string that I just never picked up again. It's awful. I know it is. I have a habit of doing it when the relationship becomes too much. I just cut loose. We've tried to reconnect, each at different stages of wanting to reconnect. But last night, she called. Talk about fucking timing. 
She says she called in a moment of weakness while drunk and wanting to connect. She sends a final text message at 11pm. Well, I miss you. My heart breaks all over again. I had stonewalling. Doesn't feel good, but I have to protect myself. I don't have the fight for that fight right now. I just can't. I scribe a hundred different messages, each longer than the last, but I don't send. I'll simply say after 45 minutes of toying with it, I miss you too. And I'm really sorry for that. I really hope she doesn't respond and I instantly wish I hadn't hit send. But I'm in here and if anything was to go wrong, I have Valium. Anyway, I then receive a call from a mate outside of the psych ward bubble. It was nice just to chat. Just like when I speak to my family. My sense of normal is restored. Not the fake facade that is in the clinic. After I make my bed, I decide I'm going to shove as many things as I can in before my 10am appointment. I'm going to wash my clothes, dry my clothes, go to the gym in a very narrow window of time. And I managed it. Gym, washing, and on time for my appointment. I tentatively leave my clothes spinning in the dryer. My inner sea shepherd is dying with the thought of a dryer, but with a significant lack of fresh air, it'll do. For now. I catch a nurse. I ask a question. She doesn't know. And before I bound off to my appointment, she recruits all nurses to find the answer. She recruits all the nurses to find the answer. They don't know, and I've lost interest. I met with the doc. He's happy with the progress, and we're about to start my new med ahead of time. He kicks my ass a bit for leaving group, but understands why I did. He did mention nurses get shitty if we don't go, in a doctor voice of course, and take our leave off us. Consequently, I'm going back to group Savo. He did say to get my obs done if I feel like that again. Mm, I don't know. Say I'm not, I say I'm not doing TMS. He said he doesn't run that anyway, but inquires about why I don't want it. I say I've researched in it. And it's fucking terrifying. He says some patients while they're in here and it's safe, but if I was going to do go through that, it wouldn't be until I leave. Ah, okay. We discuss discharge, not for next Friday, but for the one after. And that if I do everything in my program, there'll be no issues as long as my meds are on and I agree with each other. Okay. I'm off on my way to the ever so lovely Karen as she kept my clothes going in the dryer while I was in my appointment. No banana was left, but I have dry clothes. I catch her in the hallway and discuss going out for tea at the night markets. I pass the nurse's station and ask if my chart has come down so I can jump on my new med. Shortly after Nurse Zen, glasses softly spoken, tiptoeing around me, Zen comes in and collects me to get obs and my meds, and I put my foot in it a big time. Yeah. She asked me how I was going, and then she asked me how I was finding group. And I was honest. Big mistake. Yesterday felt too simple. I was frustrated with the basicness of the class and I didn't get anything out of it. I explained my experience of youth work, teaching, running groups and how boundaries seem below capacity of some people. Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? Because then then says, I'm running Sunday's class. She starts, it's on gratitude. Honestly, I just want to melt into the fucking carpet. You'll have to give me some feedback. Um, fuck no. Fuck no. 
Anyway, a few more foot in mouth inducing comments and I retreat to my room. See you Sunday. I wander off feeling like a complete moron. I start processing my upcoming calendar. I set appointments for doctor, the one on the outside of here. Uh, I plan for a dual appointment with Anya, who is my psychologist and my wife. And then I start to map out what I'm going to do when I get out of here. As much as the group yesterday wasn't for me, it gives me purpose, uh, a set time to attend, like a set way of how to engage. And that's what I've been missing in my life. How do I schedule my life? I have study, a studio, gym time, and the freedom of not having to report to work. So why do I find it so hard? Oh, yeah, depression. Right. Hence the admission into a psych ward. Yeah, I'm really slow today. Okay, group. Today is Wally again. Recovery action plan is today's focus. We start with a river, side A, side B. How do we get from one side to the other? For an hour, we wrestle over what our steps are, what we need to do. I have that plan. I started that plan and I was building on it since I came in. And then father of the year starts shelling out advice like he actually knows everything. Honestly, Wally needs to pull him up. He needs to hold this space and facilitate this group properly. And then I noticed this bunny-like creature in the corner of my eye, old, frail, and waffling on about suicide, calling it selfish, stupid idiots, and so on. And someone walked out. I start rolling my eyes. I'm two seconds away from yelling at her, and then I remind myself, I'm here to build tolerance. I'm not here to fuck spiders. I sit outside waiting for Wally. He comes out and has a chat. I reiterated my purpose and how I'm not so tolerant of idiots. He said that he can see I am here to get the job done and he will be mindful of father of the year in future. We both agree, though, that the bunny-like creature isn't someone who can be reined in. I go back into the second half. It was Friday afternoon game time. We split into groups, had to come up with names, countries or movies for each letter of the alphabet. My team won. I wouldn't have had it any other way. I head back to my room. I have an ap apple for my afternoon tea and review my notes and readings. I'm heading out the Savo. I'm getting keen. I have a look at the menu from, from the dining room in case they whip out an old favourite. Uh, and there. It looks like the Irish stew with some gnocchi. Blech. No thanks. I sign out and head out the back of the clinic. Honestly, walking through the car parks in the bushland, I see lights and music and find my way to what seems like a new world. I have a wander around. I see others from the clinic with family and friends, some just with each other or by themselves. I catch up with Karen, who's in bad shape. We eventually head back to the clinic as she darts away. I speak with my wife, discuss tomorrow's visit, and I am truly beaming. I cannot wait to see them. It feels like forever. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, 
to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare. The whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honored. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo, and your story are safe with traumatized. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story, just like the ones that I share with you on the trauma tales. If you have a story to share or honor and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tats, a professional tattoo studio to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook at Trauma Tats 1T and tell them Shan sent you. Day six, Saturday, visitors day. I woke up to my alarm, popped down for meds and put my room together, all ready for visitors, bed made and a plan for the day. Meds, bathroom, group, gym, shower, visitors. I finished my meds and I head back to my to-do list, tick it off, toddle off to Saturday group at 9am. It was chockers. Not a spare seat, even some on the floor. We had people sitting on the floor. We had an RN. I'll call her Oldie because she was. She started discussing how we work better and what helps us. But she starts off with the Janari window and asks if anybody knows what it is. I put my hand up and in the smallest amount of explanation words I can cover the entire topic. Oh, her face isn't happy. Clearly it stumps her. I think I just cut about half of our session out. Oops. We start going around the circle to discuss what helps, you know, exercise routine, friends, family, planning, mindfulness. As I'm typing this on my phone, a little emoji from mindfulness pops up. There is an emoji for mindfulness. Who knew? Anyway, group was good and then I was off to gym. The overly excited gym guy was there. Hey, Frankie, he yells at me in the most excited way possible. I jump on the bike and my ass is so fucking sore, but I pedal on. As I hop on my little bike to nowhere, I realize that the only wall in the windowless gym that isn't stark white, but in fact is actually covered in a beautiful mural, is behind all the machines. What? Is it because the crazies can't handle the pretties and the crazies at the same time? I bring this up with excited gym guy. He says, He's about due to ask for something. I asked what he's thinking of putting and in the dream of what we could change it to if we could have whatever we wanted. Sunday is a day off for excited gym guy. I say goodbye and head off to the next thing on my list. I bypass the nurses asking for a Telfast or any histamine, but they can't administer it without a doc and there aren't any docs on Saturday. Great. Nurse Sunshine pops out and says, you're moving rooms, aren't you? Uh, no, I love my room and it's near the outside and it's quiet. Okay, Nurse Sunshine tells me to go and check out 25, same ward, same nurses, single room. Hmm, same ward, same nurses, single room. It overlooks the box, but there isn't a risk of a second person. Excellent. I shuffle my shit and start to get all set up. A quick shower later and I'm ready for visitors. We head to my room, unload my extensive list of crap from home, and then we head out. Fresh air. Oh, fresh air, fresh food. Wandering around with the people of the world, holding hands and hugging my kid. 
I've never placed any importance of touch as one of my love languages, but I've really missed it. Even if it's just holding hands, I've missed these two beautiful humans who make my world spin around. They are my favorites and two pretty big reasons to make this program work. They drop me back and I'm exhausted but excited to try my online shopping. And I'm in love all over again. Of course, with my family. And But now I'm also in love with my newly purchased weighted blanket. It is like nothing I've ever had but everything I needed. I nestle in and watch Space Jam, dozing until dinner. Dinner was foul. I get up with Karen and we left and head to the dining hall. And then I head back to my room and I trialed my acupuncture mat. Well, ouch, but good. I don't know if I'm using it right or how long I'm supposed to lay on the ground for, but I like it. My neck pillow of spiky doom is a bit rough though. I jump into my PJs at 5.15 and watching telly under my blanket and hopefully I make it awake to 8pm for my meds. Day seven, I've officially been here a week. Well, close enough to it. I hit snooze and try and smash out a Sunday sleep in hospital style. No such luck. Margaret, the only nurse with a name, was on point at 8am. Morning, Frankie. Honestly. Fuck's sake. I'm awake now. I head off and get meds. I've missed breakfast. Again. Open the blinds and make my bed. I'm starting a new little routine. It just means I don't crawl back into bed straight away. I get ready and mosey on down to group to Mousy's class. Gratitude. Not something I'm normally open to, but it was a class and I was there trying not to judge. Remember, this was the one where I put my foot in with it. So she's also Zen nurse and Mousy nurse, depending on what her mood is. It was class. She talked about God. And Jesus, in case you needed that spelt out. She also read the Bible. So honestly, I don't know what we're supposed to do again. I don't know what I'm supposed to gain from this. But I've liked doing my daily recount, looking at what I'm gaining, studying and moving forward. I'll call that gratitude and move on. I leave and I head back to my room. I started to go through my book, filling in the gaps that I'd missed. I start on that river analogy and start the whole thing over. I review the questions and answers filling in my pathway to recovery. It says, where are you going to keep it so you can actually put it into place in the real world? I fill it in, see what adjustments I need to make, and then flick the page and it's a weekly schedule. I pull out a pencil and start filling it in. The more you do, the more you can do, right? That's what they keep saying in here anyway. And really what I was doing wasn't working, was it? I leave little room for error and start to think, if our family goes down to one car, that forces the point. Five days a week, I have to get up and take my wife to work if I have to use the car. But it puts in a fail-safe schedule. I plan to give time to recovery every day. I also plan to deal with work cover. One hour, three times a week, and I aim to lock that shit down so that's the only time that I have to address what I have to I'm not giving airspace for my mind to run myself into the ground. I can't because that's what landed me here in the first place. Blame and shame. That is not on my schedule. Nor is being a psychotic ragehead. I really can't allocate that into my weekly schedule. Time for the studio. Time for study. 
time for building a new career and time with my family. Positive, outside of the house time, not the monotonous, not the mundane, and certainly not filled with rage. I then do a body scan and the spiky mat, which is becoming my new favorite. Slowing down is my struggle. It always has been. I push my family to hurry up on the daily. Maybe they can slow down. Who knows what the new normal will feel like? Like a new pair of pants to try on. I head down for lunch, grab a sandwich, a juice, and pocket some of those snack-sized condiments for my lab. I head back to my room, and instead of heading out, I have a nap. Crawled under my weighted blanket. Also, my favourite. And nap. According to the hospital, you can sleep too much in here. And honest to God, I'd love to know who did that, because... I felt like I accomplished things. I did group, I studied, I worked through things, and I had a nap. As close to a normal Sunday as you can get in here. I wake up and I start to draw in the Arvo. I hear giggles and booming voices from the hallway. It's dress-up night here. It's 4pm on a Sunday, but in here, it's like 9pm on a Saturday night. People running around, dressed up and ready for bingo or trivia or whatever shit they're running. I watch them all as they strut past my room, asking for me to join in the frivolity. Mm, It's not my scene. I gather my washing and hope that Sunday night's games night is a quiet night in the laundry. It was. I throw my washing in, set a timer, and head to the dining room for our twilight supper. More fucking lamb. I thought that shit was supposed to be expensive. Do they have a deal at Costco or something in here? It wasn't awful. It was like a Sunday roast or something, and the cover of gravy made it edible. People joined me at the table, which was a bit daunting, but I'm settling in. I'm working on engaging with others, as isolation is so easy to do at home. I also know that in a couple of weeks, these relationships will be over. But it's nice to reinvent, have people on the same path. People that also want to get out of here too. The ones that are working hard. I head back to the laundry, dread the dryer again, set another timer and head upstairs. I have a cup of tea. I feel like tea has become a punctuation point in the days here. Not sure what to do? Make a cuppa. Five minutes before group? Make a cuppa. Waiting around for meds? Make a cuppa. I reckon by the time I leave here, I will have drunk about a swimming pool's worth of bloody tea. At least it's better than the coffee here. After my 600th cuppa, I head back to my room. A bunch of people are out in the hallway discussing random things. We get onto weighted blankets and they try mine and another chick's. We get onto discussing tattoos and then it's all over. Short burst of engagement and then back to the drawing board. Thank God. That took about 90% of all the fucks I have left. Grab my washing and FaceTime my family. I'm distracted tonight. I'm not engaged as much with them as I should be. I acknowledge this after the call and wonder why. Maybe it's all the tea. I am a bit scattered tonight. I throw on a movie, pack away my clothes and jump down on my spiky mat again. Wait for 8pm meds and an early night. I plan out my day tomorrow. Meds, breakfast, gym, doctor, lunch, group, study, walk, dinner, meds, bed. This is my new routine, my new days, my new checklist. Thank you for joining me today on The Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you.
If you'd like to reach out to the Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.